Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. And welcome to you. This is Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. And today we're going to be back in our Treasures of the Nativity study. And we're going to be looking at Lesson 4, The Acclaimed King. We are talking about the king born in Bethlehem. And today we want to look at the acclaimed king. We want to see how the king who has arrived in Bethlehem, as was promised, is also the acclaimed king. We will examine in this lesson how scripture shows us ways and people with whom this king who came is acclaimed as king and Messiah. And so I'd like for us to start out by looking through the scriptures at several examples beyond the prophets that we have studied quite in depth up to this point so far. And so today I want to start out by looking at the very first attestation of him as being acclaimed as king, as God's king, as the authentic king who would be born in Bethlehem, this king that we have studied all of these lessons thus far. And I want to see, first of all, he is acclaimed by God himself, by the witness of God himself. In Psalm chapter 2, I want to read verses 6 and 7. In Psalm chapter 2, the Lord is speaking, God in heaven, and he says, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Then this is echoed in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5 and in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 5 as the author of Hebrews bears attestation to Jesus being this acclaimed king who is also the son of God. We have two witnesses regarding him coming at his birth and being affirmed and acclaimed by God himself. Then at his birth, we see Gabriel acclaiming Jesus also as a spokesperson for God himself in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 33. As Gabriel comes to visit Mary, we see in Luke chapter 1, his words are recorded to her. Mary remembered them and recorded them by telling them to Luke, who recorded them in Scripture. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, as Gabriel is speaking to Mary, Gabriel says these words. Then the angel said to her, here are his words, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So God himself speaks in Psalm 2, verifying that this king he sets on his holy hill is the very son of God. And so does Gabriel here in Luke chapter 1. Then we see from scripture there are angels from God, sent from God, that also acclaim 
Jesus at his birth as king. In Luke chapter 2, let's read verses 6 through 14. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. This is when Joseph and Mary are going to Bethlehem. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the son to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is also attesting at his birth. He is the acclaimed king. And this is done, these angels coming to worship him and acclaim him and verify that he is God's king, the son of the living God come and being born in this manger, is actually a fulfillment of several scriptures that were from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew scriptures, including Psalm chapter 103, verse 20 and 21, Psalm 148, verse 2, and the messianic kingly psalm, which in the context is speaking about the son of David and that Davidic eternal covenant with the Messiah, the son of David, who would come as king, found in Psalm 89. And in Psalm 89, I want to read verses 26 through 29. And it says this, speaking of this coming son of David. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn. This is God speaking. He is talking about the coming Son of David, Messiah King. Also, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep with him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever in his throne as that days of heaven. So in the context of this prophecy of the Davidic covenant, an eternal covenant ultimately found in the Messiah, son of David King, God is acclaiming here that it is his firstborn, and he is the highest of the kings of the earth. This is also supported by Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 where we're told also, but when he, meaning God, again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. So the angels are attesting, even in this visit to the shepherds, that these prophecies are fulfilled, and the angels themselves affirm and attest that Jesus is the acclaimed, authentic king. Then we have the shepherds also verifying that he is the king that has come. Let's read in Luke chapter 2. After the angels have departed here, we pick it up in verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, 
that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they believed the word of the Lord given through these angels, and they acted in faith. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. So now we have these shepherds. We believe these were the temple shepherds that would be guarding sheep in the fields in Bethlehem at that time. And they were the ones who would keep the Passover lambs, those who were destined for sacrifice. Very interesting. They were keepers of the Passover lambs that had already been set aside and destined for sacrifice. And the angels come to them and attest to them that Jesus is the acclaimed king. So the shepherds decide by faith, we're going to see this. The Lord has revealed it to us. Let's go. Let's see this thing. Let's verify the acclaimed king that we've been told has come, the one we've been waiting for, the authentic sacrifice that God has sent, the Lamb of God, that John the Baptist even will attest to in John chapter 1, verse 29 later. So the shepherds come, and then what do they do? They go around telling about him. They're proclaiming that he is come, and he is the Messiah King. He is the promised one. And so they become those who will also acclaim him. In Matthew chapter 2, which we studied about in lesson 1, we see the Magi come from afar, from the Babylonian Persian area. And their question is this, where is he who is born king of the Jews? They came, as we studied then, This was all in connection with the prophecy Daniel had given in Daniel chapter 2 and in Daniel chapter 9. So this is how they knew what and who and when and how to come. And these magi found him, and when they found him, they worshipped him and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, honoring him as king And actually, the gifts have their own significance, kingship, his priestliness, and his prophetic work as well. They honored him as the king, even giving him myrrh, which would signify perhaps even the bitterness of his death later to come. Whether they realized all of these things or not, it was common for them to, when they visited someone of such high stature as a king, to carry with them gifts So they brought gifts to him to honor him as king. They acclaimed him and worshiped him as king. Then we have two other individuals specified in the scriptures at his birth. And they found him, they came and saw him on approximately the 41st day of his life. Now, what was so significant about that? Well, let's go back in Luke chapter 2. Let's pick up the reading in verse 21 first. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
So on the eighth day of his birth, after his birth, he was circumcised according to the custom that was established in the Old Testament in honor of God and what God's law required. So we see his circumcision coming to pass. But he could not yet be redeemed according to the Old Testament law, and they could not yet offer Mary's purification offering at that time. Because according to Leviticus chapter 12, in the Torah, Mary and Joseph had to wait until Mary was completed through her purification time, which would have been the 40th day of Jesus' life after his birth. That is recorded for us in Leviticus chapter 12. But let's read on after verse 21. They did circumcise him as required in the Torah on the eighth day, but then comes the 40th day and beyond. So after the days were completed, we believe then that would mean that it was at least the 41st day of his life. Let's pick up the reading in verse 22 of Luke chapter 2. Now, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, meaning she had completed the 40 days, it's now day 41 or beyond, most likely day 41. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That means it was his what they call, I believe, his pityana habin, his redemption, the firstborn redemption. And they brought him into the temple to do that. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And, in other words, they came also to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law. He, meaning Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, your Yeshua, your Jesus, your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. So here we see Joseph and Mary going to the temple in Jerusalem on about day 41 of Jesus' life. 
And we have two more witnesses right here that God has prepared and brought into the temple in that very moment. There was the man Simeon. Most likely he was an aged priest. God had promised him that he would live until he could see with his own eyes the Messiah that was promised of old, the Savior for the nations. And now this Messiah and Savior had come. Simeon affirms this. He acclaims him as the one, the one promised from old, the Messiah God had spoken about from ages beyond, the coming Savior that God had promised. Simeon publicly verifies with Mary, Joseph, and perhaps Anna being there as well. Maybe there were even others that saw and heard this. Who knows? Perhaps Joseph of Arimathea was there. Perhaps Nicodemus was there. We do not know. Perhaps there were other priests who also had received the offering from Joseph, unless Simeon himself did, and they may have overheard Simeon. They may have heard this. They may have seen this event. But Joseph fulfills the required offering for the redemption of the firstborn. There would be five redemption shekels that had to be brought and the purification offering for Mary of turtle doves or pigeons. And these five redemption shekels most likely would have been given to a priest who would put them into the specific one of those 13 trumpets that were were outlined there in the temple for the various offerings that the people would bring. And so we see this acclamation from Simeon here on day 41 of Jesus' life. Also notice that we have another person there, Anna, the second of these two witnesses here in the temple on that day. She was of the tribe of Asher. She was an aged widow. She was a prophetess. Sometimes that would mean that she was the widow of a prophet. She had been the wife of a prophet. But she also affirmed and acclaimed him. And she proclaimed him. She went about and proclaimed him to those who had hoped for redemption in that time, those who were looking. It's interesting that later on in the scriptures, in the Gospels, we find out that one of the two that became more of a public disciple at the death of Jesus was Joseph of Arimathea. He was one who was waiting for the redemption in Israel, we're told in the scriptures. Could Anna have spoken directly with him? We don't know, but certainly her audience was primarily for those who were hoping for the redemption in Israel. She was going around encouraging them. Guess what? He has come. He is here. He has arrived. She acclaimed that the coming one that they had been hoping for has arrived. Besides these that were present at or near his birth and acclaimed him, We also have the prior witnesses, the prophets of old, which we've studied in earlier lessons in this series and other series that I have done. But we also have Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. And I want to draw us to a close by looking at these final scriptures as we study these and then two more. And we will close out this particular lesson. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45, it says this, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Praise be to God. So Elizabeth acclaims him as king, the promised Messiah, the Savior, even her own Savior, being carried in the womb of Mary. And she gives Mary encouragement that, yes, you have believed and you are going to see the fulfillment of the things that were told you through that angel. Hallelujah. So Elizabeth acclaims him. Notice that later, when Zacharias is allowed to speak again, we have Zacharias acclaiming him. I'd like for us to pick up that reading in verse 67 of Luke chapter 1. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us, in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then he goes on and he prophesies about how John is connected to this as the forerunner to the Messiah, that promised messenger from Malachi chapter 3, that promised voice in the wilderness from Isaiah chapter 40. And then in verse 78 and 79, Zacharias is still prophesying here, and he says, Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So Zacharias and Elizabeth here in Luke chapter 1 both acclaim Jesus as the king who has now come, the coming one, and that he is the son of the living God, the savior of the world. Lastly, we see how both Joseph and Mary themselves acclaim him as their Lord, as the coming one. In Joseph, we read in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 through 25, how he had been dealing and struggling with the fact that Mary was found pregnant before the angel Gabriel came to him and explained to him that this was of the Holy Spirit of God and that the baby she was having was would be called the Son of the Living God and his name would be called Jesus for he would save his people from their sins. And we're told there in Matthew 1 that immediately Joseph then in faith acted and went and did all that the angel had required of him and he took Mary and raised the baby Jesus as if it were his own even though it wasn't his own blood. Joseph believed the word of the Lord, and Joseph acclaimed that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Son of God. He was the acclaimed King. And Mary, in Luke chapter 1, 
verse, I want to read several passages that attest to us that Mary also acclaims him as king and as her own Lord and Savior. This is very important because Mary has a very special place in the story of the coming of the Lord. Yes, and she is to be honored because she was an honored woman, found favor with God. But I want us to pick up the reading first in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 33, and then we'll move on to some other verses in that same chapter where we see Mary acclaiming Jesus, her son, as the true king, the son of the living God. In verse 30 through 33, Then the angel said to her, we still have Gabriel speaking here, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then we go down to verse 35 through 38. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Then, when we go to verse 46, we see after she goes and visits Elizabeth, or while she's at Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth affirms this as the true Son of God, her Lord, her Master, and gives Mary the encouragement she needs. Listen to Mary's response, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So we have Mary herself acclaiming Jesus as the Son of God, that King who has come, truly. So in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Torah, Two witnesses were required to attest to anything and verify its legality as legitimate. Here we see a whole multitude of witnesses all attesting to Jesus' birth as his first coming, as the acclaimed king, exactly as was foretold. He is the true son of David, heir to the throne, and the foretold Messiah king. He has come. His kingdom is verified. He is the acclaimed king. Praise be to God. I pray that this message has been a 
blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of this series and messages as the Lord wills that we can bring to you. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.